come to kindergarten class. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we have a great interview for you with Dr. Thomas Jungert of Lund University. And I'm sorry, Thomas, I'm sure I just butchered your last name. Thomas spoke to me about a study he did where he looked at the motivations of different students to find out what motivates kids to intervene when they see someone being bullied. Are they motivated by something internal or is it to please their teacher, or is it to look good in front of other people? And then he also studied the relationship between the teachers and the student and how that affected whether or not they were likely to intervene. And he found, interestingly, that the children who were the most likely to intervene did so because they were internally motivated, and they also had a very warm and caring relationship with their teacher. Isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. Well, I've read a lot of research that talks about how kindergarten and first grade are very important grades to for teachers to build relationship with kids. And that is some of the reasons that researchers have shown that the lower class numbers should be in K-1 and 2, because if a teacher is able to connect with students and make a firm relationship with them, they go on to the older grades more socially capable to deal with the interactions that are coming up in their lives. Well, let's listen to this interview. It'll be, it, I think everyone will be really interested in this study. All right, let's go. My name is Thomas Jungert, and I'm an associate professor at uh, Lund University in Sweden. So uh, I've been working at uh, Lund uh, doing research on school bullying and work motivation and study motivation and those kinds of fields. Great. And can you talk a little bit about the background of this study, how it came to be and, and uh, what the, the basis of it was? Well, first of all, I, I am interested in, in uh, uh, mo- mo- motivation. So motivation is one of my main interests, uh, both in teaching and in research. And also another line of research is school bullying, because I've been working with uh, colleagues in, in, in Linköping in Sweden and also in, in, at Georgia State University in Atlanta and also some in Italy. And we've been doing lots of different studies on school bullying with uh, the participant roles, people who witness bullying and what what happens when they witness bullying? If they take the, a defending role or a passive bystander role, or if they also maybe become assistants or reinforcers of the bullies. And then I thought, why not combine these two fields? So motivation and school bullying. And the, then I thought that maybe if we could look at what motivates a student to intervene and try to defend a victim of bullying, that would be very interesting to look at because no one has really focused on, on their motivation to intervene. They have looked at self-efficacy and empathy and values and so on, but not really that what motivates someone to be pro-social. So that's how it came about. And then I was contacted by uh, a researcher, in, a PhD student in Italy, who wanted to do this uh, exchange uh, from her university in Turin 
And then I told her about my ideas, and she said, that sounds very interesting. And so she collected all the data in Italy, and then she came to me with over 400 participant uh, responses to questionnaires that I had developed to measure school uh, bullying, participant roles, and motivation to defend. And I also looked at the teacher-student relationships. Can you so that's how, it, that's how it came to be. Can you talk about the different motivations that kids might have to intervene in a bullying situation? You, I, it looks like you included quite a few different kinds of motivation in the study. Yes, well, first, uh, my first intention was to look at four main types of motivation. And these come from self-determination theory, where they think that motivation is something that you find on a continuum from very extrinsic kinds of motivation to very intrinsic. But it's not just, usually in this theory, you can find also from extrinsic, where you do something to be rewarded or avoid punishment. Then there is the next step, is the introjective motivation. And then that's when you do something because you don't want to feel uh, guilty about something. You want to improve your self-image uh, or self-concept uh, and so on. So it's more, it's not just external. It comes sort of from you, inside of you, but it's because of external regulation. And the next step is what they call identified motivation. And that's when you do something because you find it meaningful and there's a purpose of doing it. Maybe not because it's fun, but because you can see a value doing something. And then the next step is the intrinsic motivation. So I thought that maybe students could have the extrinsic motivation to help a victim. That is, if they would do it to become popular or get uh, rewards from teachers or be, uh, get praise and so on. And then the next step, I thought, maybe it's to reduce their sense of guilt, feelings of guilt and so on. And the next step would be because they find it meaningful and useful to, to be helpful. And the last part would be if they do it because they think it's fun. But that's not very often that you find someone who thinks it's fun because it's a risky project to help them uh, victim, sorry. So, but then it turned out that I could only find two, two main types of motivation in this study, because the interjected one seemed to be different when it comes to pro-social motivation. So it didn't really turn out to be a, a specific motivation. So it was sort of extrinsic and sort of intro intrinsic. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I only used very extrinsic reasons to become popular, to, to uh, get uh, rewards and uh, get praise from, from teachers and so on. That would be one reason. And the other one is I uh, use uh, the intrinsic and I identify motivation items to, to uh, create what is called autonomous motivation. And that's uh, both identified and intrinsic. You, have the, you find it meaningful and you also find it uh, maybe it's sort of interesting and useful and, and uh, interesting yeah, and nice to do. Can, can you talk about the questionnaire that you gave kids to find out why they were intervening with bullies and what their relationship with teachers is and, and maybe some examples of the questions that you had kids answer? Uh, well, the, the first part of the questionnaire was the relationship with the teachers. So uh, one type of relationship could be a warm relationship and that's when a typical question there is, my teacher understand me and my teacher uh, like me. So if you feel that your teacher understands you and is empathetic and like you, 
then you have a warm relationship. And the next one was autonomous motivation, uh, autonomous relationship, actually. And that is when my teacher, you get the feeling as a student that your teacher allows you to make decisions and to have an influence on what's happening in, in the class. And the third one is uh, what we uh, call the uh, more conflictual relationship. And that is when the teacher, when, when the student believes that the teacher is uh, harsh and uh, has too many rules and uh, is always telling the student what he or she is supposed to do and not to do. So those three kinds of relationships. And then we had those questions about the motivation. And in that part, we asked, what would motivate you to intervene if you see bullying in school to help the victim? Uh, and, and that could be because I, I, I'm that kind of person that uh, likes to help. That would be intrinsic motivation, or because it's uh, it's uh, what you should be doing when you see bullying because it's meaningful to help because then you would make the other person happy. That's identified, I think. And then we had interjected because I would not like to feel guilty if I don't help. That's the interjected motivation. And finally, because I would like to become popular or get some kind of praise from teachers if I helped. And then the last part was the participant roles scale. So that's a, a scale that's been used by a uh, in Finland, Salmivali, is her name. And those questions relate to how do you actually react and behave when you see bullying in school? And that could be I defend the victim by going, uh, by, by telling the bullies to stop, for example, that's the defender role. Uh, and it could also be a passive bystander role. Uh, just watch and do nothing about it. Uh, and the third role is the reinforcer or the assistant. I laugh with the bullies. I think it's funny and I, I uh, help the bully. And, and that part, that role we call pro-bully because they they are sort of uh, taking the side of the bully instead. So those were the questions we used. And what, what were the relationships you found between the teacher relationship and their responses to the bullying questions? Uh, the first, the, the main uh, uh, significant relationship we found was that the warm relationship with the teacher was highly related to having an, an autonomous or intrinsic motivation to help the victim. So that was a clear relationship. And we also found a clear relationship between the intrinsic autonomous motivation to help victims and taking the defender role. Uh, and there was also, so in this case, uh, intrinsic motivation mediated the relationship between warm teacher relationship and the defender role. Uh, so the relationship directly between warm relationships and becoming a defender was not significant. But when you looked at it, uh, that it went via the motivation, then we saw the clear relationship. Mm -hmm. And another kind of relationship that was interesting was that the conflictual student-teacher relationship was significantly related to an extrinsic motivation to help. And extrinsic motivation to help was clearly related to becoming a pro-bully, but an assistant or reinforcer of the bullies, uh, and also to become a passive bystander. So, uh, it looks as if, if you have students who are intrinsically motivated to help, then they will also be more likely to intervene when they see bullying. 
Whereas if they are extrinsically motivated, they have another reason to, to help, to become popular or to get rewards and uh, praise, then they tend to become passive or help the bully instead. So that's not a good motivation if you want to have students who are pro-social. Mm-hmm. So those were the main points, yeah. Yeah, and I noticed in the end of the study, you, you talked about, you noticed some differences between girls and boys and their motivations. Yeah. What were the differences between girls and boys you found? The main difference was that the relationship with the teacher that the students perceived was strong, more strongly related to the motivation. Uh, so if you had a girl who had a perception of the relationship with the teacher as very warm, then the relationship with being intrinsically motivated to help a victim was very strong. But you could not find that relationship between uh, the four boys. So that was interesting. But the, the, the link between motiv- intrinsic motivation to defend the victim and becoming a defender was strong for both boys and girls. But you could only see the relationship between the warm relationship and intrinsic motivation for girls. And we also found the same thing when it came to the conflictual relationship. So only girls could perceive their teacher's teacher relationship as conflictual in the sense that they found the teacher to be harsh and telling them what to do and what to do. That was clearly related to their extrinsic motivation. But this was not what we found for boys. For boys, we rather found a direct link between conflictual teacher-student relationships and the role as a passive bystander and the role as a probably. So that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, so, and I also noticed in your notes you said that it you couldn't tell from the study if warm teacher relationships um, created kids who were more likely to behave in this way, or if teachers were more likely to have warm relationships with kids who are already feeling this way. Is that am I reading that right? Yes, because because this is uh, just a, a cross. Uh, sectional study mm-hmm. so we could only see the relationships mm-hmm. and we cannot really say if, what causes what there are no causal mm-hmm. relationships so mm-hmm. i think we need more studies longitudinal studies to check that out uh, so it could be that students who are extrinsically mm-hmm. motivated experience their relationship in a certain way while students mm-hmm. who are intrinsically motivated to help also have another way of perceiving their relationship. So, so it might be the other way that if you are a person who really likes to help other people, uh, a person who is very pro-social and is empathetic and, and like to, to intervene when they see bullying, maybe they are also the kind of student who is nicer to be with for the teacher, and then that teacher might treat that student in a nicer way, in a warmer way. And also this student might be uh, the kind of empathetic person who, who perceives most relationships as warm and, and friendly. While if you have students who, who are uh, bullying or uh, helping bullies, maybe they are also the kind of students who are, maybe they have a bad self-image or other problems, so they maybe are afraid to, to intervene and, and also maybe they, they, it's important for them to become popular. 
And maybe then it's also that that kind of student perceives the teacher as harsh because maybe to become popular, maybe they do stupid things in the classroom just because they think this will impress their peers. And maybe that's why their relationship is not so good with the teacher. So we, we don't really know what, what, the, what the causes what here. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think it brings up so many interesting questions and interesting ideas to go forward with in education because I know that as an educator, internal and external motivation is such a big idea for me and I want my kids to be internally motivated and I want them to stand up for others. So I think this just brings up so many interesting ideas for further study and do you see? Do you have any ideas of where you'd like to see studies go in the future mm-hmm. after after yours? Uh, the next step in the research, you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you see as the next step? Yeah. I, th- I think one step would be as to try to find out uh, uh, the causal relationships here. If you could, if you could have a study where you could first look at the relationships between teachers and students, and then follow up with. Uh, with what happened, what actually happens in the class, uh, on the schoolyard, and so on. So, uh, and, and I agree with you uh, I, uh, that it's very important to understand what supports the intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Because usually we have uh, in self determination theory, it's autonomy support that usually uh, supports the intrinsic motivation, where you get let people get more autonomous. But in this case, that did not seem to be the case. It was the warm relationship. So maybe I would like to develop new questionnaires and new methods of measuring the relationship. Uh, maybe to also have someone observe the relationship. If we, say, had a researcher or some, some uh, person who could observe what is going on in the classroom, what does the relationship really look like, and then follow up what happens with these students uh, in the, on the playground uh, after they leave the classroom and also maybe to follow up what the relationships that are observed are related to what kind, what kind of motivations and try to find more uh, information about their motivation than just the intrinsic and extrinsic. And do you, but, yeah. do you have any advice for educators after your findings of what you'd like to see implemented in classrooms? Um, that is a good question, but it's difficult to, to answer because we don't really know if it is the warm relationship that causes the intrinsic motivation and the defending behavior, but I think that it is usually best if we could advise more teachers to try to be warmer and more empathetic when they uh, meet their students. So. Maybe it's not so good to go after the bullies or the ones who help the bullies by being harsh and telling them to follow the rules and be controlling. Maybe it's better to try to explain to them why it's wrong to bully and to be more understanding and empathetic about why such situations occur and try to make the bully and the co-bullies understand that there is no one who really is their enemy because even the, the teachers and the peers, all of them should be try to get along together and be friends with everyone. So sometimes I get the feeling that maybe these uh, uh, bullies, they, uh, they, they see the teachers as their enemy because they, for, for different reasons, because maybe the teacher 
tells them what to do and not to do. But if, if they find that the teacher is warmer in their way of approaching them and more empathetic, maybe that would make them soften and, and become less angry and so on. That, that could be one thing to think about. But I know it's very difficult. I know that if you have some, some uh, students who really are not nice and who are being mean to other kids and doing bad things, saying bad things, then I know it's not easy to, to be understanding, empathetic, and warm. You want to tell them. Uh, you want to <laughs> tell them that, I guess, I guess, not to behave in bad ways. But maybe teachers should try to find new ways to, to tell them how to behave so that they are, don't feel controlled and, and uh, misunderstood. I, I definitely agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I do. And uh, I'm, I'm interested in following your research, and I think anybody who listens probably is too. Is there a good way to follow your research and see what you've been working on and what you work on in the future? Uh, I'm not sure if... Uh... <laughs> have a good homepage or anything. I don't. Okay. It's from through the university, I guess. Okay. Uh, Lund University, and then you can just look at my name, and uh, I will post all my articles and my research and my. I can try to be better at updating my homepage at the university. <laughs> well, if we know which university at, we can find you. We can track you down. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It was a really interesting research report to read, and I really like the implications of it. And I'm interested to find out more in the future. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that you liked it. And, I, uh, I really I did. Well, that was fascinating. The more we learn about um, how children develop, the better teachers we are. So I really appreciated his words. I did too. And I want to let everybody know that we have another interview with Maria and Amy of the Oregon Child Development Coalition on our main blog. The audio on it wasn't great. I'm sorry, Maria and Amy, I didn't do better. But they have so many wonderful and important things for you to hear about working with migrant students. So I wrote out the whole thing so everybody can read it and understand every single word they say. <laughs> so go to our blog at kindergartenkiosk.com and find that interview and read it because it's wonderful. So one site that I just have fallen in love with and I've used for the last several years is Wonder Grove Kids. And if you go to our um, blog on the sidebar, you'll find Wonder Grove Kids to click on or go to wondergrovekids.com. And my students love the Wonder Grove Kids. And I really think my classroom has greatly improved because of their program. So I want to encourage everybody to check it out. So there's one resource people can use to build healthy, socially, emotionally conscious kids. I lost my training. Another thing that I love <laughs> is I Care Cat, and it's a peacemaking skills. And I think if you just Google I Care Cat, you can find some. I found it just by Googling I Care Cat. Yeah, you can find some great things. I've used I Care Cat probably for over 20 years, and I Care Cat never grows old. I kind of use him as my tattle um, animal. <laughs> Is that what your kids tattle That's, to? They go tattle to I Care Cat because I Care Cat cares about everybody's feelings. And so they can just go tell him. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope this is helpful to you in your teaching. Happy teaching, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?